welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. All right, all right. Welcome in. Today we are going to be going over something I meant to do last week, but uh, my voice was pretty much gone. So you might hear you might hear a few things in it still. But in the meantime, welcome Fusion Fantasy Football. I'm your host Joshua. Find me on Twitter at FusionFFB. But we are talking about running backs and landing spots for these rookies. And if you didn't hear or didn't see, I put out an article on this talking about how I I did my whole scoring for all of the landing spots last year. Did a quick recap, uh, covered, you know, how evaluated how it actually turned out. And I was quite happy with the results. Um, it was about 78% of of the teams I got I got right. Um, and it helped pick out a lot of teams where it was clear to see that they needed running backs. Um, it was also able to pick out situations that were good for a running back that got there, even if it wasn't an obvious need for the team. So last year, the Atlanta Falcons didn't have an obvious need at running back. However, looking a little bit closer, you could see Freeman was getting older. You could see there was just a number of needs. They didn't have a grinder type. So I predicted that they were going to draft a grinder type running back, not in the first or second round, but third, fourth, fifth. And sure enough, they did. I believe Olison, uh, Quadri Olson was drafted around the fifth or sixth round. He fit that. He fit that mold. Now, he didn't work out. So this... This whole project, this whole it's a it's a spreadsheet, it's a picture. You can find it pinned up on my Twitter account at FusionFFB. And it was just a way to standardize the scoring. And I based it on a few different things: the depth available on the team, the role that was needed, the potential usage. So kind of best case scenario usage. And then my own score that I added of just how good the offense was, how how good it was not just at scoring points, but also their usage for running backs. So just how they treated them in general, how, how well running backs usually performed in that system with that team and so on. And like I said, for the most part, I nailed a good third of them. Another third, I was right about the situation and the team, but either the running back didn't work out or the team ignored that need. But it, in most of those cases, it became pretty clear that um, throughout the season, it became pretty clear that they definitely did have a need there. Uh, there were a few cases such as that. So this year, I went back over it. I changed a couple little details of how I did things and went through each team and did the scoring said okay what do the miami dolphins need you know what what kind of depth is on their team all right so not much a couple journeyman kind of guys undrafted free agents late rounders nothing major okay so there's room for a primary back a primary running back the role needed it 
if there's not a specific one available, then you just say they, they need all purpose. They need a starter for usage. It's going to be a starter and so on. So I went through each team, scored it out, and then all of those things, give it a point score. There's a scoring for each answer to each of those questions. And then I just add up the total and uh, sort it out and see who has the high score. Simple as that. And what I come up with is at the moment, I, I kind of went through this tonight. A lot of changes happened already with free agency, trades. There's a number of teams that were up in the top 10, five even, that have now moved back down, such as Arizona. So there's a lot of things. So we are going to dive right into it with a few teams stuck out. Now in the article, I had a few teams that stuck out. They aren't all necessarily the same team because of course there's been changes. The new number one team on the list is now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since Atlanta signed Gurley. And of course, because the Rams dropped Gurley and now the Rams are numbered two. They do have Henderson and Malcolm Brown and I was kind of asking around to see, you know, what people think we're supposed to do with them anyway, because do you just hold them? I think Henderson is definitely a hold. They definitely started to use him more, more than they ever used um, Kelly. Remember, we thought he was going to be something. Turns out Joe Kelly wasn't. He's still technically there. Malcolm Brown, of course, did more than anyone thought last year, especially the beginning of the year. I think this is going to be kind of a committee between Malcolm Brown Daryl Henderson. So if you can get one of them cheap and startups in anything, it might be a decent investment, but I wouldn't go out buying it. If you have them, I would hold for now. There's a chance that the Rams draft a rookie running back fairly high and he comes in and takes the job and you're never going to be able to get any value out of Henderson again. There's that chance. There absolutely is. I think the upside, if you can get a second out of him, I guess, or an early early second, late first, for some reason, somebody's desperate or is convinced he's the guy, that's not much different than you spent on him, probably, initially. So if you can get that return, go ahead. Go for it. I would be willing to sell him. But if you got him, especially if you traded him for in the season, if you maybe got him in drafts when he was still cheaper than before everyone got all paranoid about Gurley last year, because initially he was going like middle, late second in early rookie drafts. It really just depends what you paid for him and what you can get. Again, if you can get a late first, early second, that might be worth getting out of it with the risk. But otherwise, I would just hold on to him because the upside is a top I don't know, 24 running back? That's not bad, considering what he was worth. And as long as I'm doing some analysis, I did mention the Bucks. So I have them as the number one, but if you think Ronald Jones can actually take on that number one position job, as some people think Bruce Arians has suggested, I take everything that Bruce Arians has said about Ronald Jones as a bit of Bruce Arians being 
cautious. If Ronald Jones was the man, then Bruce Arians would come out and say it. Every time he talks about Ronald Jones, he just talks about how, oh, yeah, he looks like he's improving. You know, it's a lot of not super confident speech. That's how I read it. I'm sure other people read it other ways. I'm sure my dislike of Ronald Jones plays a part in that. I just find it hard to believe that a running back who has as many struggles in catching the ball as Ronald Jones is going to be as productive in the running back position in Bruce Arians' offense as Bruce Arians wants him to be. And when he's got plenty of options in the draft this year, is he really not going to get one for Tom Brady? I think he will. And we talked about it briefly when I had Neil on here, that that's something you want to keep an eye on in the draft. Uh, maybe I could change the setting to to like a, a committee satellite is, is what the role and usage, because maybe Ronald Jones holds on to, you know, the uh, Sonny Michelle half of the workload to use a Patriots comparison. But meanwhile, you want that James White. That's who I think they're either going to draft or maybe it's someone like Ogun Bowale like we talked about. That's a little hard to believe, but just keep an eye on that situation until someone is signed, until we have an answer. Uh, it To me, it's a very high value. If a Cam Akers or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or someone goes like that or even DeAndre Swift somehow goes there, it's over for Ronald Jones. It's It's done. It's over. Those backs can do it all. They can catch the ball. They can do it all. Ronald Jones is done. So first place was Tampa Bay. L.A. Rams was next now. And Kansas City is is up there in third now. A lot of the teams that were ahead of them have fallen back down because of signings and and so on. So that means the Chiefs are up there. They They have a lot of backs on the team. They have depth, but they're a good offense elite offense they could use a more talented running back it may just be in a committee it may just be a backup but there's potential there and so that's why they still are somehow this high tied with seattle seahawks and seattle is someone interesting because how much how much faith do they really have in chris carson he had some injury last year he has had fumbles issues. Meanwhile, Penny is going to be out for probably a good part of the season with his injury. That leaves a Chris Carson, again, question marks, and somebody like Travis Homer, who actually looks pretty good. I actually grabbed, I threw some Travis Homer in a trade, you know, last month just because I figured I'd like to have him on my bench. But it would not surprise me if the Seahawks go after a a grinder, at least a grinder, if not an all-around type back. That You know that's who they're going to like. It didn't work with Penny. I don't expect them to pay up as much as they paid for Penny, which is probably wise because they shouldn't have paid that much for Penny to begin with. But they probably can get someone in the second, third rounds. Um, there's a lot of decent backs, I'm thinking, maybe even a Dobbins, if it's one of those top five or six backs. But it could be a sneaky back, too. And after this podcast, I'm going to start rolling out some more 
digging into these actual rookies, the players. So it could be someone like a Keyshawn Vaughn. That would be sneaky good there, okay? These are kind of the, the players you want to keep an eye on that aren't the obvious four or five top names that you've probably already been hearing about. So Seattle is a fantastic landing spot for running back because they use the running game a lot, and there seems to be some openings there because of injury and depth, mostly because of the Penny injury, right? They can slip into what Penny was doing, and then maybe they can do what Penny was supposed to do and take Chris Carson's job, right? He wasn't able to do that. Maybe the next guy can. Great opportunity. The Atlanta Falcons, despite signing Gurley to a one-year deal, are still here as my fifth highest landing spot because of opportunity. Because we still don't know the condition of Todd Gurley's knees, first of all. Second of all, it's a one-year deal, and they may still want to draft someone that will be the starter next season. Okay? So maybe it won't be as high a draft pick as we'd initially hoped. But they might pick whoever kind of slips down into the second, late second, third. They might go after that kind of player, that kind of running back, and see if they can't groom him for next season, or at least see what they got in him, right? Great opportunity there. And of course, if Gurley gets hurt, there you go. He could be a starter. Next is Miami Dolphins. Again, about as sure opportunity as we had going into all of this. Now they sign Jordan Howard, and that means what? It means they still need another running back because Jordan Howard is the definition of a replaceable running back. I got some flack saying this, all right, but he's the definition of replaceable. His one skill was his durability and that he didn't get injured. He had three solid 250-ish attempt uh, seasons in Chicago, stayed healthy throughout it. That's great. That is valuable. However, he couldn't make it through a whole season in Philadelphia, and now he's going to the Miami Dolphins, and we're going to see what he can do. He's still not all around back. He's not the total solution. There's there's going to be someone else coming here. So they would be a great place for somebody like maybe an Eno Benjamin, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, one of these guys who can add a little bit more of the receiving side of things, but also do it all. Basically, they need another Miles Sanders. Not saying that it's going to be as good as Miles Sanders. I would put Sanders above most of the backs in this class. Definitely not ahead of Jay, Jonathan Taylor. But we'll see where one or two of the other guys lands. It would be pretty close with Sanders. Just saying... Still look for the Dolphins to get somebody and still look for that rookie to be valuable and get opportunity. All right, that's the top six. And they're by far the best the best options. It gets ugly from here on out, especially because of free agency. They messed up a lot of our really nice, pretty landing spots. This happens every year. And then, of course, the draft happens and the teams who who have the picks to take the players are not the landing spots we wanted them to go to, right? It happens every year. Everything looks amazing in February, and then March comes around, free agency gets a little little grayer, and then by the time the draft comes over, it is over, we're down to like one or two solid options, right? 
that's what was so unique about a couple of years ago. What was that? 2017, right? We had so many different good backs going to so many different valuable landing spots. I'm not sure we're going to see that like we had hoped this season. So after that, we get guys like the Detroit Lions, the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, the Eagles need a Jordan Howard replacement, right? If they're going to run that committee with Sanders, maybe they don't. That's something to keep an eye on. I think they will. Detroit Lions, do they trust Carrion Johnson to stay healthy, right? Tennessee Titans, they franchised Henry, but are, are they going to figure that they're going to be able to sign him and, and keep him? Or, I mean, what are they going to do? What are they going to do, really? Um, after that, you've got the Colts. Again, do they trust Hines, Wilkins, and, of course, Mack? I don't know. The next one is the one I really like as one of these kind of sneaky spots that people don't see coming, but it's the Jets. I could easily see the Jets drafting one of these bigger names, even, and basically looking to get rid of Bell next year. Simple. That's that's the analysis. They're looking to get rid of Bell, and they want a starter for next season, draft a guy this year. That's it. The Bills, do they trust Singletary, or are they going to get more of a grinder type to complement him? All right. Don't know. Um, they gave up a lot of draft picks to get digs, so I kind of have a little bit more confidence that Singletary is going to still be the main back because they gave up, what, a first, fourth, and seventh, if I recall. And so it seems to me that means those would have been a fourth. That fourth would have been a great spot to take uh, a running back, especially if you plan on putting him into a committee. You are not going to spend a first on that, but a fourth, third, fourth, fifth, those are that's where you want to pick those guys. So we'll see if they have the draft capital that they're going to waste it or they're going to ro- roll with Singletary and maybe sign one of these other players that is still hanging around out there. Look, from this point forward, I mean, the Jets was kind of the best one I could really point out. From this point forward, it's a lot of blah. Like, again, Arizona Cardinals, but they got Drake. San Francisco, but they brought the entire gang. All four of those running backs have returned. The Saints, the Saints are maybe a sneaky one here because technically they still have Latavius Murray but do they draft someone? But it's going to be a late guy, just like they did last year. They had, was it a Zigbo, I think, landed there, and they ended up letting him go. Now I think he's in Jacksonville. So it never happens the way we really hope. I, I don't really, one of the things I think I need to change a little bit this season was not taking as many lottery pick running backs. We always say first round is for running backs, second round Third round is for wide receiver. Fourth round is for tight end. But, you know, if you're in that fourth, fifth round range and you still want to go after somebody, go after the wide receiver. You know, instead of going after a Gaskins or an Azigbo or a Reichwell Armstead last year, you should have been taken a Preston Williams. And maybe I pushed those other guys too hard. That's my fault. I know I also talked about someone like Preston Williams. There's other names. But probably should have steered people more towards taking those kind of upside players late in drafts than the running backs. You want the big name running backs. After that, take your shots on wide receivers. 
And if you're in like a tight end premium and so on, sure, tight ends. There's not a lot of tight ends in this class. We'll get to that eventually. But anyway, from this point forward, I'm not going to go into much more details on this matrix. You can, I'm going to put, I did just post uh, earlier today, I believe, a updated image and link to the sheet with all of these new updates. So go ahead, find me on Twitter at FusionFFB. And that's where you're going to find it. It's not the pinned tweet. I guess I should change that. The pinned tweet is the one that has the article, which explains more about it. But the one in the article is now technically out of date. That's all. I also recently did my wide receiver landing spots. This is a little bit more difficult and it's a little, oh no, not a little. It's a lot less successful, let's just say, because it's a lot less meaningful. I mean, it doesn't really matter to more than maybe the first half at best, at worst, the first season in a wide receiver's career. But we saw a prime example last year where A.J. Brown went to literally my last uh, place team in my 2019 landing spots. And by... It didn't happen, so maybe it was delayed by being that bad situation. Maybe I was right. And maybe that's what slowed him down. But by the midseason, he started putting up wide receiver one numbers. And so you can clearly see it didn't actually impact him. Also, we see a lot of cases where the situation is not really helping the player as much as we thought it would. So I had to split up my evaluation both between how did it impact the player and how was my evaluation of the team situation. And I had a, a very high hit rate on the team situation. The problem was it just had very little to do with how the wide receiver turned out, okay? We were, I was pretty right about the Patriots situation, that it wasn't, it wasn't a great situation, but probably a lot of opportunity and they tried to give Nikhil Harry that opportunity he just didn't do much with it and he had an injury so maybe there's still hope there okay same thing for a couple of these other situations Paris Campbell also injury involved okay we don't know so there's a lot of those kind of things for 2019 kind of showed me that I need to really not worry about landing spot too much for wide receivers but it is still interesting to do to still maybe get an idea of where there's some places that are sneaky for where a wide receiver could go that would be nice. All right, so we're just going to go through really quick. The obvious number one is the Kansas City Chiefs if Sammy Watkins leaves. That's really unsure right now, like really unsure. He seems to have survived, so we're really not sure what's going to happen there. You got to think they're trying to trade him. But he's going to cost them something like $14 million to keep. Watkins himself had said some strange things, maybe take a year off, things like that. I think he was maybe kind of preempting his release, his assumed release because of his cost and lack of production. So we will have to see what happens there. They still have some time. If I understand his contract correctly, it's not even a June 1st deadline issue. It's probably all the way up until training camp. So they have plenty of time to figure out what they want to do there. Just keep an eye on it. Anyway, that's 
clearly a a nice landing spot, especially for maybe kind of a slot outside guy. They've already got McCole Hardman and Tyreek. Sammy Watkins was kind of doing that up the middle kind of work. It worked out very nicely in the Super Bowl. We'll see if they get someone that looks like they would fill that spot, and it would be nice. That's probably what they're waiting on is the draft to see what they can get before they make a move with Watkins, unless they get a really nice trade offer, which I doubt someone's going to give them. All right, that's the Chiefs. We know Mahomes is going to elevate the potential production for anyone else in that offense. I don't, again, we have to be careful of uh, is McCole Hardman going to become this amazing wide receiver just because he has Mahomes? No, he needs to be a good wide receiver. Mahomes can't make him a good wide receiver. Mahomes can increase uh, the, the value of him with what he can do, but it doesn't mean he can make McCole Hardman get open and catch balls, okay? He can make it a little easier on him, but that's about it. New Orleans Saints is next. Similar idea here. If you're not good enough, then why is Breeze going to throw the ball at you? Because he's got Michael Thomas over here who can get 30% you know, of the market share, the, the target share. So why in the world would he throw it to anyone? You know, For example, named Traquan Smith, who we thought was maybe going to be good, showed some things when Breeze tried to force it his way the year before and then suddenly just stopped. Basically... I tried. You didn't do a good enough job. I'm just going to throw to Michael Thomas now, right? That's basically where we're at. There's kind of a sneaky spot there on the Saints team for a fast, deep guy. I saw a mock that had KJ Hamler going there, which would be really, really kind of interesting. Um, He's a really small, fast guy. Ted Ginn was the guy, but he's technically a free agent this year. I haven't seen any news. He's probably done unless he signs on somewhere else. He probably is going to become the Frank Gore of wide receivers. But in New Orleans, there is a possible spot for that role. They have guys like, was it Tommy Lee Lewis or something like that, right? They have Deontay Harris, interesting guy to keep an eye on. He could possibly take that role. They maybe have someone already there. They don't need to draft somebody. But it's interesting to keep an eye on. And just because it's a good quarterback, a good offense, there's a value there and possible opportunity. That's why it's this high. And you can probably quickly, as you're hearing, there's not a large difference between these teams. The biggest difference is, one, the quarterback, and then what the roster depth looks like. You know, Philadelphia Eagles, they are fifth on this list. Not because the, I mean, Wentz is okay. He's good. I put him as a quality back. The offense is is all right for wide receivers, but they need an all-around starter. That's valuable. They, they definitely need an all-around kind of starter. Maybe who they get won't be an all-around. Maybe he'll just be outside. Maybe he'll be slot. The point when I label these, again, is is the best case, is the maximum possible, the best possible. So they could go out and get an all-around receiver. And they could use it. And much like we saw in, in New England, they're going to give them opportunity like the Patriots did in Nikhil Harry. That doesn't mean it's going to be anything. They gave Arcega Whiteside plenty of opportunity last season. A lot of people thought he wasn't going to get that opportunity. 
I was saying, yeah, he definitely will because, of course, these other guys are going to get injured because they always get injured. And, of course, they got injured. And he couldn't do it. J.J. Asiya Whiteside just did not step up. He didn't convert the opportunity he was given into anything. Completely dropped the ball. Literally and figuratively, a UDFA in what ward? I don't even remember his first name, was outperforming him, okay? They need somebody there. So that's going to be a situation where on this list, like, it's about opportunity. So that's a great place for opportunity. I cannot predict how good that situation is going to help him be successful because I don't think the situation helps you become successful. I think you got to be a good receiver. But he's going to at least get the opportunity. That's that's all I can keep stressing. He's just looking for opportunity. All right. But I'm skipping ahead. It's Kansas City Chiefs, New Orleans Saints. Next, I have the Buccaneers. And you're saying, what? Why would the Buccaneers be there? And I kind of agree. The way I do my scoring, this is what came out because Tom Brady could be okay. As we talked about with Neil, they likely need a slot receiver, a dedicated slot receiver, possibly. There's possible room there. And it's a good offense for wide receivers, clearly. Again, this is best case scenario, all right? Again, based case scenarios. Houston Texans is next because they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. So, of course, they need somebody unless you think slot receivers of Kiki Kuti, Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills are going to do the job. They're going to fill in. They're going to be a lot of it, but they're going to get a rookie. Come on. Eagles are after that. Talked about them. Ravens after that. They can't just keep chucking it downfield to Brown. Um, the, surely they can upgrade Sneed. Surely you can get someone in there better than Sneed. That's kind of the, the position that I think they're going to be targeting to upgrade unless they feel like Miles Boykins is going to make that leap and fill fill that. Unless he's more just purely outside. But I don't have any confidence in that. Here's the problem. That offense, even if they get someone and he fills that role and he actually does the job, it's really still not that valuable. I mean, unless he's just getting, he's not going to get peppered with targets. That's not how that offense works. We saw that last year. Just the overall, again, Mahomes raises the overall value potential. In Baltimore, just the overall situation, it kind of decreases it. Doesn't mean someone can't be there and be good and break out and do, you know, be an A.J. Brown or whatever, even though we didn't think he would. This is this is how it works. It doesn't work the way we think it works. That's how it works. All right. Next, I have the Niners because they probably need someone. Emmanuel Sanders is now gone. He recently signed. You know, I missed that. I need to update this. I went all, I, I talked about New Orleans Saints, and I didn't even mention it. Yes, Emmanuel Sanders signed with the Saints. I don't view him purely as a deep receiver. That's why he didn't really come up before he was supposed to um, because he's more of just an outside. He can even work up the middle some. I don't think he's that that fast guy, right? But maybe it does decrease the opportunity as a whole. I should maybe revisit that, but that's a nice signing. I think Sanders is good enough that he can get work in that offense that Drew Brees will give him opportunity. But the 49ers, they now need someone to replace that same kind of position. So there you go. There's the opportunity. 
Dallas Cowboys, they need a slot, right? Um, you can keep going down the list. Green Bay Packers, they clearly wanted somebody. Is Lazard really it? Did they find the guy? It seems clear they were done with the other three that they drafted a couple of years ago. More and more, Aaron Rodgers just gave up on him. There's a lot of really interesting teams here that come out on my list, on my scoring in the middle. That really, Literally, that means nothing. It really means nothing. This this list is just an opportunity to talk about these situations at this point because it has no true impact on how good the rookie receiver who goes there is going to be. It literally just tries to gauge initial opportunity that will be force-fed their way, and that's it. After a few weeks, it's over. The usefulness of this thing, it's gone. But initial opportunity with the Minnesota Vikings could be interesting. Now, they did, I need to update it, they did just sign Tajay Sharp, or trade for, I guess technically it was a trade. Tajay Sharp, yes. Um, okay. It's interesting. He's flashed. He started to actually look decent as the third wide receiver when Tannehill was hot. So maybe it's just a question of the offense. Here's the problem. The Vikings offense isn't a super high volume. They've been operating with just Thielen and Diggs as, as their two, and that's it for a while. I don't think Tajay Sharp is going to fill in everything that Diggs did. It's going to take one or two receivers to do that, or a very good rookie, and not Tajay Sharp. So that's why he's here on the list. There's opportunity for a starting role. Um, that's about it. Similar situation the, the to the Colts. Go after somebody still. They got let Funches go. Do they need someone on the outside? The Jets, absolutely similar situation to the Vikings, if not worse. They have to get a receiver. Robbie Anderson, he's gone. Went to Carolina. They need they need somebody to catch the ball there. It can't just be Crowder. Just a couple more situations that have starter level opportunity available right off the bat that, again, that's really all that this really matters for. So we'll just talk about them. Denver Broncos are next. A lot of people have pegged them with an outside or speedy receiver like a Ruggs. They definitely could use someone alongside Sutton. I don't really think that that hurts Sutton in case you're wondering. I like Sutton regardless. In fact, it could help him. And so I'm not worried about it. One bit but they definitely need somebody there and that other receiver could do okay depending on the receiver again they're going to be given the chance is the point i keep saying that i can't stress it enough apparently washington redskins are the last team they do need some other starters of course they have terry mclaurin but after that it's a bunch of kind of younger guys kelvin Harmon. Could still become something. Steven Sims, he flashed. Emmanuel Hall looked good as a as a prospect. You've still got Trey Quinn there. Now he's, what, third-year veteran this year. They likely need somebody else on the outside. There's going to be some opportunity. Is it going to be good opportunity? No, it's probably going to be terrible, but it's opportunity. And that's about it for my post-free agency review of these landing spots. 
Of course, things could change if there's any major moves, but at this point, most everything is finished. Right now, I'm going to be turning my eyes towards just the rookies, incoming rookies. I'll get some more podcasts out on that, talk about how I'm going to be going about ranking some of these guys, especially the wide receivers. It gets a little bit more difficult than the running backs. Keep an eye out for that. I'll be doing some podcasts on individual players. And then, of course, we are waiting for the NFL draft, and we don't really know what's going to happen there. They say it's technically still scheduled. I would expect at this point the best-case scenario is it's everybody stays home and everyone's just getting a phone call, which is what happens for, what, most of the players that just aren't day one players, right? So I don't get the big deal. Why not go ahead and do it? It would be unfortunate for the players who normally would have that experience. But do you want to have the experience or do you want to get drafted? Because uh, if we hold this off, you're you're not getting drafted and you're not going to be on a team. And then who knows what even happens with the season. So hopefully they try to keep a little bit of status quo here. This is something that they can do without having people there and all that, we can still abide all the normal quarantine rules. If they can do it, I see no reason why they shouldn't. At this point, one thing I am wondering about is what happens to a lot of these pro days for these kids who didn't who didn't do the combine exercises, who didn't run a 40, right? The T. Higgins, the Tyler Johnsons. Uh, this actually kind of is bad for them. I don't know what's going to happen if they can still coordinate some kind of private workout. They won't be able to have scouts physically there, so I'm not sure what happens for them. That could be the downside. It could maybe be a reason to discount those players, or, or not discount, but not rank them as highly as in past years. But anyway, that's all I've got this week. I spent a lot of this week digging into the rookies and the ranks and so on. So most of this info is, I mean, the information is up to date. But as far as analysis, it's about a week old. I'd planned on doing it, you know, the week before. But I still find it interesting and it's still valuable, especially for the running backs. Tight ends, I don't have anything like this. Quarterbacks, I'm not really doing anything like this. We'll get into more about them and why later Thanks for joining me, guys. This was a little bit back to me just talking to myself kind of episode. Hopefully, uh, I can get some of these other guests figured out. Uh, scheduling, you'd think it would be easier because everyone's like in quarantine, but for some reason, it's not. I Actually, for myself, it's been rough because, you know, you're at home and normally you have a certain time set aside, but everyone's schedule is completely out of whack right now because everyone's got, you know, kids at home or whatever else is going on. So everyone just stay safe out there. And I'll keep working on this stuff, and if it can distract you or give you a little bit of a time killer while you're sitting around at home, then I've done my job. See you guys next week.